I'm Simon Davies. I'm the executive director of Teen Cancer America. What motivated Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend to start the nonprofit? Yeah, I mean, I've known them for many years longer than this organization has been in existence. It was a, uh, This has been here since 2012. We set it up here in the U.S., uh, but they've been involved in an organization called Teenage Cancer Trust in the UK, of which I was the chief executive for 13 years. Um, and even before then, they'd taken an interest in helping out young people with cancer. And um, it's interesting because, of course, you know, somewhere in their families, they will have had cancer. But that's not really the big motivation behind this. It was because they really wanted to give back to the young people that had created them um you know that had given them the, the success um you know given them the lifestyles given them the support throughout the years in terms of um uh you know the who success um and they uh actually their doctor was somebody who set up dr adrian whiteson and myrna whiteson set up teen cancer um, teenage cancer trust in the uk and through that, they become in, became interested. And then if you hear anything about the, you know, the, the music of, you know, anything about the music and the lyrics of The Who, it's all about that transitional age. You know, it's that teenage mm -hmm. thing. It's teenage angst. And, you know, what this what we're doing, which we'll talk about later, is bridging that gap between children and, and young adults. And so in America, um, you know, Roger was on at me uh for a long time wanting to try and bring the british charity over here and i said we're not going to do that because it's going to take up too much energy we can't we can't stop doing the things we need to do in the uk but eventually i said why don't you just set up a us charity and so that's exactly what he did he, he found a, um uh, our chairman rebecca rostein was a friend of his great fundraiser great uh, entrepreneur and she um, she got this uh, going, uh, set it up in 2012, um, and began the whole the whole thing over here. Which you know, I ended up coming over to be the CEO in 2013. But that's really how it came about. They wanted to give back to American youth as much as they did to British youth, because that's who made them. You know, they were as popular here as they were in 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 the UK. And the Who's been relevant for, you know, every decade with either uh, Broadway or CSIs or anything. So they never stop. I, I know. I can tell you that Pete Townsend is now um, going to make a ballet of Quadrophenia. Can you oh, imagine wow. that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... What inspired you to be involved with, you know, helping the teens? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it wasn't difficult for me. I have always been involved in 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 working with some kind of um, group or other throughout my whole career. But when I got became got associated with Teen Can Teenage Cancer Trust in the UK and got started, it was very easy to see why there was a massive gap in provision here. If you have um, you know, the pediatric world is full of um, average age six-year-olds. Uh, if you go into a cancer hospital, that's what you're going to see. In the adult world, the average age is 60. And this whole kind of teen and young adult missing it in the in-between and realizing that nothing was really happening for them, um, that's what really inspired me. And obviously, the stories of young people with cancer are very compelling. 
and so I wanted to be a part of this this um, this whole the history of this thing. And you know, we did a lot in the UK. And for me, you know, being able to do the same in the in the US and get it going here has been a privilege. Can you tell me about some of the programs? So, Teen Cancer America um, was was set up in two thousand and twelve, and 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 what we do is we work with hospitals. Um, hospitals, uh, if you can imagine that the 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 pediatric world and the adult world um, of cancer is is really grown up in silos, um, and so that pediatric world lives on its own and the adult cancer world live on, lives on its own and so if you're a if you're an 18 year old um you know the chances are you could end up in a pediatric hospital or you could end up in an adult hospital it's just you know it's almost luck of the draw as to where you end up or the type of cancer that you might have so what we're trying to do is work with hospitals to create both environments and programs that are very specific to this age group we want to see the collaboration of pediatric and adult specialists coming together, you know, to understand these young people who in the past have not survived as well as uh, their outcomes in their survival has not been as good as, as either children or adults. And to bring them together, bring that expertise together and also bring the young people together because you, you know as well as I do how important your peer group is at that age. Yeah. And they're going through a lot of stuff, you know, and they don't want to be isolated amongst little kids or isolated amongst old people. They want to be amongst people of their own age and have staff ready to understand them. And in the physical environments that we create for people, which we also do, um, that's got everything that a teenager would want. You know, it's a, you know, it's a kind of much more cafe style. It's a um, it's got it's it's got computers and playstations and it's wired for sound and it's a you know it's a really funky kind of um, environment that young people can identify with um, as opposed to having to look at the Disney wallpaper in the children's ward or the uh, you know or the bleak environment of an uh, of an adult hospital where most of the people are in their sixties and seventies. For you, how does it feel to? just talk and get to know these teens and their families you know they're the biggest inspiration of all um you know just to see what they have to go through so you know it's bad enough having cancer at any age at any time of course but this is a really really critical time in life you know uh, cancer can run a railroad through um you know their, their their search for independence which is obviously that you're at that age where you're 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 becoming more independent and suddenly you have a cancer diagnosis um you're old enough to understand what's going on so you can understand not only the cancer but understand the impact on your family which might you know be colossal impact on the family and having to change things that financially they might lose money as well because of the cost of, of treating cancer so you know there's all that to deal with and then you know your schooling is messed up so you may not get the grades you need to go to university or if you're older it could be your first you know your first job or your career pathway has to change because maybe you have to have an amputation or you have a brain tumor that affects your cognition so you know you might not be able to do the things that you always aspired to so there's all these unique it's like a perfect storm so you've got you know cancer you've got all this psychological effects you've got everything that is challenging about life at that time anyway 
you know, and you're robbed of it because of cancer and you may not live. I mean, that's the reality is that a percentage of these young people will not survive. Um, and if and those that do survive may have many long term effects. It may be that they um, will be will become infertile because of the treatment. So they won't have a family. You know, they may have, as I said, you know, if they had a brain cancer, that might affect their cognition um, or their mobility. They might have to have an amputation. So all these late effects and long term problems, you know, are going to go on their whole lives. Um, and, um, you know, and so they they have to watch out. You know, they could get a secondary cancer later because they were irradiated by radiation therapy, which could in itself cause a cancer, even though it's killing the one that they have right now. It could cause a cancer later in life. So massive, massive problems. Meeting people going through that, <laughs> meeting young people going through that experience and just seeing how amazing they are and what they do and how they can cope with that and take on those responsibilities that inevitably they do for the welfare of their family as well as themselves. You know, they worry about how their, their parents are having to cope with this or their siblings. And they're just amazingly wonderful um, people to interact with. And, you know, you think, how on earth do, are they coping with that with the maturity that they do they grow up fast that's for sure they grow up fast and quite often they're they're, they're mature beyond their years because of what they're having to go through so they're truly inspirational in their own right yeah with that they're you know focusing on their physical health and getting better but how important is it to also you know make sure they have time to focus on their mental health as well. You know, the the long-term effects of this on their on, on their mental health is significant, both in going through the cancer and the after effects. You know, I mean, the cancer itself is challenging and so they suffer, they can suffer from depression and isolation. With some cancers, you know, you have to be in a hospital room for literally weeks at a time. And the only and anybody that does come in has got to be masked and gowned and wearing rubber gloves because your infection status is so low. So their isolation is 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 very high and that can cause a lot of depression. Um, but then there's all that impact on what's happened to their lives. So, you know, quite often the the period of time dealing with cancer is so focused on survival that actually that keeps them really um uh, really uh, um devoted to, to to achieving that survival but actually at the end of it and, and many young people talk about that the mental health effects later are actually harder to deal with because they're trying to re-enter their lives they're having to realize you know what they've lost and realize that they may have to redirect themselves and that they're, you know, whilst their friends have been off to university and traveling the world, you know, they've got to find their way of sort of getting back on the bike and and being able to, to live again um, and maybe living with a deficit or maybe living with something that they wanted to achieve, but they're now never going to be able to. So those are that's their mental health during that time is really challenging as well. And you've been a part of, uh, Teen Cancer America for about 10 years. How does it feel to be, you know, the support system of kids now in the US? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the one of my motivating factors for coming here is that, of course, you know, um, I wanted to, to I was really interested to come here to, to America, but also I felt that 
um, you know, because America's lead in so many things, and their research is 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 um, so far advanced in many ways. I, I really felt that actually, if we could achieve what we've been able to achieve in the UK and more, that actually, if it's achieved in America, then the rest of the world will follow. And so, for me, it was an opportunity to be a part of that. I've loved getting involved in the American health system. There are massive differences between the UK and and um, uh, America, um, and, and as well as you know, you, there are some great things about a national health system, but also it's a very weighty kind of bureaucracy and can be slow to move. Whereas in America, you know, things are very difficult because everything is is it, it, every individual institution kind of chooses its own pathway. But then when it wants to, it can turn things around overnight. So the, the kind of motivation to be part of something that can be very innovative is, is exciting. And we've, you know, we've done really well. You know, when I first came, it was very much kind of, I was like a door-to-door salesman, you know, going around <laughs> to hospitals and hoping that they'd, that they'd do something, you know. But they are, um, you know, they've responded. We have some great allies now, incredible people. Um, and there were some early, you know, pioneers of this as well that I'm grateful for who 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 helped to get it going even before I came. And now we're achieving something. We've got over 52 hospitals that we've developed programs in. Um, and, um, you know, I think it's hit, not only here to stay, but I think we're going to roll it out. We're going to make sure that every young person with cancer has access to these specialist programs and facilities. That's our goal. We're probably about one sixth of the way there, I reckon. Which in ten years isn't bad, and I reckon right. that the next the next ten will go faster because we're bigger and we can do more, and because there's momentum. So I'm hoping that we're going to get actually that's no, a quarter of the way there. I reckon about a quarter of the way there. So we're doing even better. Yeah. So probably within the next ten years, we could really make that a reality that every young person has access to one of these programs, and then we'll have turned it around. Yeah, and that would be huge. It and, would be huge. It would yeah. be huge. I want to try and do it. We 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 want to try and do it in in uh, Roger and Pete's lifestyle. Roger's going to be eighty next year. Can you believe oh, that? Oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> he is, he is uh, yeah. I mean, and he's still rock and rolling. So, yeah, uh, it's phenomenal. But yeah, we want to we want to get as far as we can before those two. I'm I'm sure he'll be still still on stage at 100 so we've got plenty of time yeah i don't i don't see them stopping so <laughs> no. but with, they keep saying uh, it. every tour is the last one that's what they say <laughs> but with roger and pete you know you know music is their life uh and yeah. teen cancer america has a music program could you tell me about yeah. that yeah, that was, I mean, that has been something that's been very, very exciting. So we have this program called the Play It Back program. And it began because uh, two sets of parents who had both lost their sons to cancer came to us and wanted to give us a bit of money. They didn't have a lot of money. They just said, we want to give you a bit of money. But in some way, you know, music was our son's life during their, you know, and and during their during their um when they were dying, you know, they they turned to music a lot and to writing songs and things like that. And we just like to give back in some way to give music uh, to young people because we know it's important. 
yeah. as it happens, my colleague Hilary Gann and 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 um, Ken Lee Mattis, who runs the Play It Back program, had previously put together an idea of working with young people with cancer, and not just going into the in, into the um, uh, patient's room and singing a song, but actually helping them develop and write their own music. Um, and th so that's what we started. And we put some money into that. Those families raised a little bit of money, but we've put much more money into it over time. And it's grown beautifully. And, and the idea is, is that we 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 help young people. It doesn't matter whether they've never, never picked up an instrument or whether they're quite proficient. We help them develop their interest in music, um, write and perform their own music and record it and produce it to a, to a high level. Um, and there, and and you know, we've even produced a, a vinyl of their music now, which is which is great. It's a really, um, it's a really amazing program. And 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 for this, I actually have to thank the pandemic for helping it grow in a way that we didn't know it would. So we had set this up as a local LA scheme where young yeah. people got together and worked in a studio, and of course the pandemic uh, prevented that from happening. And so um, Kenley and Hillary started reaching out to young people in hospitals around the country and just saying, look, we're here. Maybe we can do stuff online. And now we've got this amazing network of young people who are making their own music from around the country. You know, they're jamming between Alabama and New York and, you know, L.A. and Seattle. And, you know, it's it's just fun and and so we're doing more now and it's much broader and it's really really successful and the young people um that take part in it say that it is the best thing for their spirit and their confidence and uh their their creativity to be a part of so it's a beautiful thing yeah i feel like music is the most expressive medium for emotion and relatability so that that does make a lot of sense how people can you know connect with that music going through trying times yeah and and you know it gives them an opportunity um to express what they're going through as well i mean they don't always write about their cancer but they often write about the things that are are affecting them emotionally um, and physically, but um, particularly emotionally and how that makes them feel and being able to um, express that through whatever medium, you know, Kenley's great at this, you know, we've had people who've done, who've been rappers, people who are interested in country, people who are interested in pop and rock, you know, and they take the genre that really appeals to them. They, they listen to the artists, you know, and that influence them and, and we help them put it, put it down and, Henley's a master at that, and and they've just, as I say, have come up with amazing stuff. But they they know and they feel that what this gives them is some is an outlet um, that they can't always share with, you know, even parents or, yeah. or friends around. You know, it's a way for them to express themselves and get some of those innermost fears and feelings out on the table. So with some of the artists you work with, like Foo Fighters, Ed Sheeran, yeah. Pink, so on and so yeah. forth, how how did that happen to get such a, you know, you know, large base of people? You know, we're blessed, of course, to have patrons like The Who, um, you know, and founders like The Who, because R Roger in particular, you know, typical lead singer he's he's a dynamo about this and he he not only really cares about it but he talks the talk you know he 
he knows what he's talking about and he'll talk to anybody. You know, I've had chief executives of hospitals who phone me up the day after they've been on a plane with Roger and say, I think we ought to talk to you about this because he talks to them about that more than he does about the who. But through that process, you know, Roger, of course, and Pete know a lot of people and so do their management. And so um, in the UK, we had these famous Royal Albert Hall shows that um, were a series of a week of shows at the Royal Albert Hall that happened every week. They continue now and Roger and Pete helped make those happen. They've got they've had the greatest bands ever play at those shows. And over here, um, we've done it in a different way, but we have one of our board members, uh, Jordan Kaplan, has um, got a property that there's a great property in Pacific Palisades and it's big enough for a thousand people and a real live stage. And oh, so wow. we get um, through, again, through the connections with Roger and Pete and other people, we've had people like Pink and Ed Sheeran and the Foo Fighters come and play on this stage to a thousand people that have paid a lot of money <laughs> to, to you know, but it's a pretty exceptional experience to see bands like that up close. Uh, they enjoy it. Um, the audience love it. And, you know, we, we share the spoils with uh, UCLA, but each of us, the UCLA and us, get at least um, $2 million from that every time it happens. And so it's a tremendous fundraiser for us. But having those having those artists come, come by, uh, you know, I'm not saying we would never have support from artists like that, but you know it does help when Roger when you get a phone call from Roger Daltrey that says I need your help. You know you're not really going to turn around and say I don't care about you, Roger. <laughs> you know, right? And you're the most influential rock and roll star in the world, sort of thing. It makes a difference in what those phone calls can do in terms of getting more people interested. Yeah, that that does help. <laughs> yeah. So Really when helps. you first started with uh, with Teen Cancer America, did you think yeah. it would ever grow the way it is? I, I did hope it would grow. Um, I didn't know it would grow as well and as successfully and as large and as fast as it has done. You know, and that's what I'm really proud of is that I figured that, you know, this would be a long road, probably going well beyond my time here, you know, that actually... Uh, would take a lot but you know that what we found is you know as I say we've got 52 people hospital partners that we have developed programs with and we've we've made grants to but I've got about you know 50 or 60 maybe even more hospitals that have approached us about developing programs but we just don't have enough money to give away to do it all you know we so so um you know it's a it's a constant balance but what a great place to be in where you know where where you've got that type of um, you know lineup of people that want to want to do business with you, and so I didn't expect it to be had to have been as successful as it has, and I'm I'm really delighted to see that happening. Um, but anybody li li anybody listening to that last bit, you will realise that we need many many more dollars. So if, <laughs> if, if we if you want to help out and help young people, it could be in your area. We're we're every we're everywhere. We're all over the United States. So make it local or just put some money in the big pot. We'll we'll make it we'll make good use of it for young people with cancer for sure.
diagnosed, I just remember at 24, it, it feels like your world's ending. Anyone who has been diagnosed knows the very first place that you go to is, am I gonna die? And for me, you know, when I thought that question, there's a lot of other questions that come into respect. Teen Cancer America takes its inspiration from young people without a shadow of a doubt. We are enabling them to be treated and supported as individuals first and their cancer second. They create these teams of healthcare professionals who really understand what young adults who have cancer are going through. Teens and young adults need to be looked at through sort of a different lens. You need to see them differently than little kids or older adults. I can't imagine what it would have been like to go through cancer without the kind of support I received from Teen Cancer America. I was lucky enough to get treated at UCLA's Teen and Young Adult Center funded by Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey's Teen Cancer America. And I could not be happier with my experience. Roger Daltrey says that there's no better therapy for a young person than another young person. And I think that says it all about what we're trying to achieve here. We have 50 hospitals right now that are partnered with Teen Cancer America. Our hope is to see that grow exponentially so that no matter where a young person lives that they have access to a hospital that has this kind of specialized care. But by creating these specialist programs and facilities, that's bringing them together in a unique way that doesn't happen unless we are the catalyst. It's such a great organization and we donate our time and our talents to it because we believe in what the organization is set out to achieve. It's unlike any nonprofit or charitable organization that I've had the privilege to be involved with. The beautiful thing about Teen Cancer America is that you can actually see where your dollars go, where your funds go. Our music program, you can actually donate instruments or you can donate studio time for a young person. Play It Back program is a program through Teen Cancer America where we write and produce music with adolescent and young adult cancer survivors. We do have a bunch of celebrity musicians, songwriters, producers, artists that we call our Play It Back homies. Successful musicians can tell about their experience and give back. And I think all these artists are really happy to help this cause because it's such a no-brainer to help people who've been through so much. Yeah, just amazing. Oh Absolutely God. amazing. In our introductory dinner, I wanted to talk about music. Roger had none of it. He wanted to talk about Teen Cancer America. As we were having dinner, Roger looked at me and said, what is a person who can't give back to his fellow man? To choose to give to that community is to choose to become a part of it. And you can't help but feel that what you're doing is impactful and incredibly important. Our goal is that every young person in America who faces cancer has a place to go. With all of the donations, we can take the programs that we have in about 50 hospitals to 250 hospitals. So the growth is exponential, but the need is very, very great for young people and their families and what they're facing. When I first got diagnosed, all you want is hope. Together, I like to think of it honestly, truly as a, a little family, you're able to all overcome the scenario and situation that you were dealt. 